Merry Christmas. I was saying earlier that this is Christmas Sunday, the Sunday before Christmas, the lead up, the, the one that we anticipate, you know, coming forward. But we do have services next weekend. They're all on Saturday. Christmas Eve is on December 24th this year. I don't know if you check the calendar. It's, it's cool how that worked out. Uh, so at, at 2 o'clock and at 4 o'clock and at 6 o'clock rock, I think, um, 4 o'clock will be our live streamed service as well. And so for some, it might be right after, right after noon, uh, come out for, for church. Uh, Every service is going to be the same, and so there, there's not one better than the other. just might be for your schedule. Maybe the middle of the afternoon, maybe four is ideal for some uh, to get away to see family and to have dinner and things like that, or maybe six o'clock. I grew up in a tradition where uh, maybe not when I was a young child, but uh, when I was at least you know a teenager or whatever, we used to go at, I think, like 11 p.m., and like in some places, it, it's like ring it in at, 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 uh, at 12 a.m. and things like that, and so whatever it is, but for us, we'll stick to two four and six and so we invite you and perhaps you're thinking of people that you can invite right now to come and celebrate Christmas and uh, there's going to be lots of tradition in it. As you can see up here we've already lit uh, the fourth Advent candle we're about to do our our reading for uh, today but there's one final candle to be lit and when we do that at the end of the service, each service for Christmas Eve, our tradition is to take a candle and to spread that uh, throughout the room and And so the only light you see are the lights of the candle representing Jesus being the light of the world. And so we're really excited for that. It's it's an awesome week to anticipate that. And so here we go. Let's do some inviting this week. Let's bring some people. Let's celebrate next Saturday for Christmas Eve. Do you know someone who just seems to be full of joy? It seems like their default is a smile. Have you met anyone like that? Do they annoy you? You don't have to say, you don't have to point or anything like that. Uh, Kelsey and I have a friend who is just always smiling in any circumstance. And so one time we asked him, do you, do you think you came out just smiling like as a baby? He's like, yeah, probably. And we were just like, oh, awesome. Okay, cool. So some people just find it easy. Uh, and, and, you know, there seems to be lots of stories, lots of books, lots of uh, movies where the, the, sometimes it's the opposite. Have you seen the characters that it seems like they're just grumpy by, by default? And that's kind of funny, and we, we kind of uh, love them for, for that reason. If you think about Ebenezer Scrooge, he starts out, can you picture him right now? Just picture Scrooge in your mind. You're like, oh, man, he's probably frowning at least. Uh, What about the Grinch? Um, it's kind of impressive uh, because not only in, in like the original illustrations, but whether it's the cartoon or whatever, it's it's impressive how much of a frown he can get. Like, it, it really is. Um, like, I, I don't know how he does it. Uh, Clark Griswold, he's usually smiling, but in a sarcastic way. Um, he's, he's just kind of pondering the donut of the month club, and uh, he's, he's wishing for a pool, and just, I mean, I just don't understand. But uh, Kevin McAllister, uh, there's definitely moments uh, where he's smiling, but there, there's kind of this whole situation where some of the characters I'm mentioning, including, don't forget Walter. Do you guys know Walter? Well, that's Buddy the Elf's father, right? And so uh, all, of these, all of these characters, at one point or another, they were robbed of their joy. And so typically, they're not all the same story, of course, but there's like a common theme that for some reason, they're upset 
just with their circumstances, with what's been going on. And so whether you think of, of Scrooge, I remember the first time that I learned about Christmas Carol was Mickey. Mickey actually helped me to learn that. And, uh, and so for, for me, there were some scary moments in that, in that movie, you know, but, but ultimately people were trying to, to see a, a change in, in character by the end of the story, the end of the movie. For the Grinch, we were talking as a staff this week about, you know what one of his problems was, the author is writing, narrating about how perhaps it's because his heart was two sizes too small. Now, spoiler alert, at the end of the story, it's then like it grew three sizes. So either way, he needs to see a specialist. And so I don't know if that's uh, an issue or not. But a uh, little trivia for you. Do you. Does anyone in here know how old the Grinch is? You can take a guess if you want to. This is an all skate. You can just say it out loud. Any, any guesses? No Googling. 22. 22? I'll just give it to you. 53. Yeah, so I was reading the story again this week, and I was like, I, I've never picked up on that. And so anyway, um, you'll have to read it later. Anyway, it's, it's such a good story. But, but you see what happens. He, he's, he, he hates Christmas. He, he's frustrated with the Who's. There's a situation, depending on if you watch one of the more recent movies or not, like there's, there's some creative liberties on maybe perhaps what happened and, and all of that. But the whole, the whole idea is that he doesn't like Christmas. So he thinks, what if he, he basically takes Christmas away, takes all the gifts, takes all of the, all of the trees, everything away, even the roast beast? If he takes all of that away from the Who's, then he'll have stolen Christmas. But then he finds out that it means just a little bit more than all of that. It also means Mike's birthday, by the way. Uh, we'll celebrate that as well next week. Don't forget, don't forget. Uh, so all of these characters, they had some situation where their joy was robbed, and, and we're just hoping by the end of the story that they get it back. And so um, I don't know about you, but each week as I've heard little bits, I've, I've heard this song, I, I've looked at the artwork for the series soon, um, I've looked at it every week, and, and this moment as I was getting ready to come up, it kind of hit me in a fresh way when Blair repeated that line, the promised one, is finally on his way. I can't uh, go into Eve's shoes there, but even artistically thinking about that, what would that mean to her to hear those words? The, the promised one is finally on his way. That's what we're looking at today. There's this expectation, and we've been talking throughout the series, the Advent, and, and we look at the candles, and there's one remaining, and so there, there's still an expectant hope that when we get to Christmas Eve, we'll light that final one. But the thing is, we're, we're not just talking about the first Christmas and the first Advent. We're also hopeful in faith for the second Advent when Christ returns and his rule is in its fullness. And so we are awaiting that. And so the reading for today is from Luke chapter 2. There, there's different areas in the, the New Testament and the Gospels that account for uh, what we would call the Christmas story. Here's one of them. It reads that that night... There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy 
to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others in the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in the manger. Father, we thank you for this story and this reminder. And as we're just thinking of those who we could invite for Christmas Eve, even now we, we just intentionally invite you into, uh, into this, this moment, into our, our hearts. Uh, let us be aware of your presence. Let us um, see this in, in, in a fresh way as we, we look in what we hope for and, and the peace that you bring and, and your, your love in its fullness and, and the joy. And as we're anticipating looking into the light that you bring and that the darkness can never extinguish it, May we see this with fresh eyes today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a few things that I want to point out for us in this story today. It, it's something that we've heard many times, and I've, I've probably even said it, that, you know, when I can remember seeing Charlie Brown, his Christmas story on, on TV or, or something like that, you can picture the character that steps out and just, behold, and he starts reciting from the King James Version, and so I can remember hearing the Christmas story from a cartoon at an early age. And so we're reading in the New Living Translation, but the meaning is the same. And so I want to point out to you a, a few things here. In, in verse 10, there's a couple things there, but the first is that the, specifically an emphasis would be mine, that the angel says, I bring you good news. And today I bring you, and I'm looking around the room, and I'm looking at you online, and, and I'm bringing you good news, but initially they go from fear and surprise to joy. And specifically, the you are shepherds. These are unexpected people to be receiving this message in, in such a, uh, an awesome way. There's the radiance of the Lord, and the, there's this light that probably they had never seen like this, maybe had heard about, but all of a sudden, uh, no wonder they're kind of fearful. What would be happening? Uh, it's kind of like the red carpet has appeared, and, and what is going to happen in this moment? But the angel says to them, we're not sure how many, but to them, I bring you good news. So first of all, these shepherds, we think sometimes because um, the Lord is my shepherd, we, we think about David being the shepherd, uh, but often it's actually something that's looked down upon. Have you ever seen a shepherd in real life? It's kind of cool. I, I mean, I've, I've played one in Christmas plays before. Maybe you have too. Uh, but have you seen one? One time we were driving, we were just outside the two villages where Kelsey's grandparents grew up. And we saw an actual shepherd like crossing the crossing a path, and we were just like, "What? what? <laughs> like, where are we right now?" It was kind of crazy. But these shepherds, they they wouldn't have been sought after professions at, at the time. They were necessary, 
And even some would, um, would say that, that perhaps in the location where they were, the fields were close enough to Jerusalem and to the temple that perhaps not just for food, but maybe even for sacrifice, their job was important, but they were kind of looked down upon uh, because of the nature of their job. But, but here they are, they're going from great fear to we'll see great joy. The other thing that I want to mention in that is specifically that the angel is telling them about good news that will bring great joy to all people. If I could emphasize all for a moment, it starts with these shepherds. And we know another Christmas story where it's these these, these wise men, these perhaps we say the, the three kings, although we don't know the number of them, we just know the number of the gifts, but you know, the song will, will tell us three and that's fine. But either way, uh, from, from these shepherds to these kings or, or wise men uh, who, who weren't even from this region, there, there's kind of an indication even in this message is that it's for not just uh, one people group, or, and it's not just for one individual, but it's for all. And so this good news that will bring great joy to all people, that initial, that initial word in Greek, if I could try to pronounce it, it is euangelion. And it's really two words. That, that word in, it, in its fullness means good news or gospel. Um, and the you part means joyful, whereas the angelos means one announcing news, not to be confusing with the angel himself, but, but just in bringing the good news, there's this angel kind of uh, connotation in the Greek. And so gospel in, in English really means news that brings great joy. And so we've talked about that a lot this last year. And so when we hear that, that again, the gospel, we've heard that these terms, you know, there's the gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and, and we proclaim the gospel, but it really is meant to be good news, joyful news, news that brings joy to all people. And so specifically, that could be part of our prayer is figuring out how can someone see it as good news, because it just is, but some people don't perceive it that way. The next thing that we want to point out is in the next verse, in, in verse 11, the angel then clarifies, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born. And where do we start there? We've already learned that Jesus, his name alone is hope. His name alone brings peace. His name brings joy. His name means that Yahweh will save and specifically save his people from their sins. And it's so much more than that, but in his name there is hope. And so as we're seeing this, Savior is another name that represents what he is going to do. And here he is as a baby, and he's already announced as the Savior. Yes, the Messiah. And so the, the, the men hearing this, especially those who have been raised um, in, this, in the nation where they, are, uh, 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 where they have uh, appeared, they would know that the, the Messiah has been predicted and anticipated for hundreds of years, actually over a thousand, but the last thing that they had heard would be at least maybe 400 years, and there's this period of darkness where they're not hearing from anyone. There's people popping up saying that they're the Messiah, but, but they're not, but all of a sudden it's announced in this wonderful way. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born, and as cheesy as it might sound, can we wrap our head around this just for a moment? Can we wrap our head around the fact that God is wrapped in cloth in this scene? 
It's amazing news, and it's news that brings great joy. And sometimes we forget that even him appearing in this way, his name alone, his appearance alone is meant to bring hope and peace and joy. And I love the response after uh, the angels head back to heaven. However, that happens. Uh, the guys talk to each other, and what do they say? They say, let's go. After that news, can you imagine? They're just kind of figuring out, what does this mean for us? What, what just happened? Let's go. And then they say, let's see. And so they want to find out what has happened. This is, this is an incredible scene, and it's incredible news. And now it's time to investigate. And so let's go. Let's see. That's, that's the news for the shepherds to then go. Someone came to them with this news, and now they're going to go and find out if it's true. And this brings us back to the whole idea of discipleship in the chairs that we've represented here before. Even if you hadn't seen them before, there were these four chairs that we've looked at time and again where the first one represents a seeker, someone who says, come and see, whether it's Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saying, come and see, Let, let's go see this one that I've been following, you know, or, or if it's Jesus himself, it's like, Lord, where are you going? It's like, well, come and see. And so imagine that. And then there's this opportunity to transition into a, a believer. It's follow me. And simply put, follow me, and it continues on to follow me, I'll make you fish for people, and then go and bear much and lasting fruit, go and make disciples. But I want to specifically talk about the, the first two for a moment. The first one, the seeker, in this, these men hear a message, it's good news for them, and it's going to be good news for all of us. Thankfully, it made it to us. But in this moment, they're saying to each other, let's go, let's see, and so picture it as Come and see. This is an opportunity at the first of the story for someone to come and see. And we believe as we were just singing that this Jesus, it's not that he became king, it's that he was born king. He didn't need anyone else to move out of the way. At his birth, he was already king and people were willing to bow down before him. And so the way that I like to think of it at Crosspoint, it starts with, I love my king, we love our king. We had a series this fall from I love and we love our church to we love our city. We can't do any of that until we first love our king. And so these shepherds, when they say, let's go, let's see what this news is all about, they listen to the angels. That was incredible in and of itself, and then they go. I don't know if they bring the herds with them or not, but, but perhaps they leave a lamb behind to go and see the lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. And they have an opportunity to see him. The sign is there. H.C. Wilson was with us speaking on Tuesday, and, and if he wasn't the highlight, Lobster was. But either way, uh, it was a great opportunity for about 51 of us to, to, to get to hear the word and he was talking about just how incredible that would be. And he's like, I don't understand what swaddling clothes are, but, but that's what he was wrapped in. And so they come to see this baby lying there and they realize this is the king. The shepherds came to see the shepherd. And they had an opportunity to, by the end of the story, become believers, not just in the message, but in the one who the message is about. That's the Christmas story. That's what it's all about. In Matthew, 
in, in Matthew's account, that's more about the wise men coming from afar. And, and, and I heard one preacher say that it was, it was probably um, maybe over a thousand miles or so that, that these wise men uh, came to, to see. Well, the shepherds had to go like three miles. Well, they, they had to go like, you know, thousands of, of miles. And it doesn't matter, but there's this passage that they're hearing and they're talking about what the, what the prophet wrote. And it says, Oh, Bethlehem, a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. And we know that not just for, for Israel, but for us. And so how meaningful is it when we say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We, we now picture Jesus being that shepherd, the good shepherd. He calls himself the good shepherd. He also lies his, lays his life down for the sheep. He himself is the Lamb of God. It's that that confusing part of the story. How can he be both shepherd and the Lamb? But he can, and this is what we need to wrap our head around, the message but also the the person. And I love it that the shepherds came to the shepherd. I was listening to Angels We Have Heard on High, and Phil Wickham was singing, and I've heard it, you know, pretty much every season, every Christmas season for, for years now. But there's this one line, Shepherds, why this jubilee? Well, it's because of this story. It's because of this encounter that they had. It's because after they said, let's go, let's see, they found. They found him. And so Advent, this anticipation, Christmas, reminds us joy has arrived. Joy has arrived, as we've talked about. Hope arrived that first Christmas. Peace has already arrived, and we want it to spread. Well, joy has arrived, and maybe we're a character a little bit like Ebenezer, uh, where we need uh, someone's guidance to, to kind of get us turned around again, maybe perhaps like the Grinch. Hopefully, we don't need to see a specialist, but if our size is even, if our, our heart is even one size too small, perhaps we can uh, get it back to it, its fullness and, and not worry about that. Perhaps like Clark, maybe we're wishing for that pool, and we just didn't get the bonus in order to do that. Um, but per- perhaps it's about a little bit more than that. And like Kevin, maybe we just want a cheese pizza. Right. Maybe that's all we want is just to have it in peace and not have our cousin have to wet the bed and share it with him. Like, it's, it's not too much to ask, you know? And for Walter, what did he want? Well, he didn't even know what he wanted, but by the end, he was singing out as loud for all to hear. And maybe perhaps at one point or another, our joy had been robbed, even for a moment. And what I would argue, what I would actually encourage you with is don't let your, your joy be robbed by anyone or anything. Don't, don't let that happen. We want to see, similar to that, that early cartoon that was fit for, for TV, the, the, the original Grinch cartoon, where you can see his heart just expand and expand and expand, and, and he starts to smile. And by the end, what is he doing? He's carving the roast beast, and he's sharing it with all the who's. Well, perhaps we need a little bit of that in our life. Don't let anyone do that. But joy, it's a gift that we can receive, and it's a gift for us to give. And so if you want to say, is Christmas about presents? Well, it is. It's about God's presence, of course, but it's also about a present that we can offer to each other, to others. In Luke, uh, at the end of, of this story, or near the end, after the, the shepherds had, had gone to see what the angels had proclaimed, and, and then they, they witness, they see the sign, they see Jesus there. Verse 20 says, the shepherds went back to their flocks, 
glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And so think about that as we are charged, as I am charged with sharing. I'm, I'm not an angel, but I'm someone who is a, a messenger bringing the good news, that euangelion, the joyful news. And so when any of us have the opportunity to extend joy, to extend that joyful news, People need the opportunity to come and see. They need the opportunity to hear it and to see it. They need the opportunity. And so inviting isn't, isn't this minimal thing. It could be so important for someone to get to see it and to have hope, to have the opportunity to, to find peace outside of any circumstance, to, to be able to be filled with joy because of the news, because of the one who brings the news, but the, who the news is about. The news is about Jesus, but it's for us. And so as I've been thinking about Advent as a series, and as I've been thinking about the candles each week, we, we were learning how hope is found in the promise of God. Hope is found in, in the promise of God, that initial uh, hope that the promise would come true. And so we are still in the middle of, we, we are still hoping because there's a future event. And so in faith, we are still hoping and we are trusting that his promise will come true. And peace is found in the presence of God. It's not found in removing us from a situation. It's not found in, in just not having a, a bad circumstance. But, but it's in the presence of God himself. And he is present in us when we receive him. And so joy today, as we're looking at, it's actually found in the action of our present God. We have a God who is present and he is active and he is up to something. And so even in the name of Jesus, there is freedom. Yet he didn't remain a baby. He grew up to do something, to accomplish something on our behalf. And so that is good news. That is something that brings joy. And so again, joy is found in the action of our present God. My friend, Bud Pond, we were talking and, and, and kind of um, thinking together uh, about a way to do this. And um, he, he made this for us, this planner up here, which is wonderful. And, it, and it's going to represent, it's going to symbolize a, a memorial. And so as I was pondering, this is a, a day where we're talking about joy. And this is a season that is full of hope and peace and joy. However, some of us, many of us, our own family, we have an empty spot around the tree this year. We have uh, an empty seat at the dinner table. And so each year, uh, for me, it's, it's 20 years since the one who really made Christmas special in a family sense has, has been gone, and, and 10 years uh, since my grandfather who raised me has, has been gone. And so I'm not a stranger to these things, and I know many of us in, in this room and online have lost people, lost people um, even this year, and not to make light of those who lost last year or previous years too. But I wanted to take a moment not to just brush by and say, just, just put a smile on, don't be a Grinch, don't be Scrooge or whatever, and, and just forget about those things because this can be a really difficult season. And so I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that, and, I, and in a moment I'm going to pray for us as well. But a few weeks ago as we were looking at that forward hope, there's hope that's already come, but the second to last uh, chapter in the Bible we read, as John, the one who leaned on Jesus at the Last Supper, he is then, he has this revealed to him, and, and, and this is what, what he hears. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow 
or crying or pain. And as I think about that, not just in a symbolic sense, but, but perhaps what if, what if the final tears, what if we go from tears of sorrow to tears of joy, what if the final tear to be wiped away is actually because of the great reversal that Jesus has initiated? What if that final one is actually a tear of joy? Because he's, he's making all things new. All of these things, all of the hurt, and, and, and really there is, we, we believe that, that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God himself will do that. We believe for those who are discouraged that God brings in encouragement. Um, but it's hard to be joyful in a time when our heart is broken and when our heart hurts. But perhaps this year, as, as there are uh, empty seats at, at many, either in our own homes or in homes of our loved ones, uh, perhaps in this moment you could join with me because there still is news of great joy because of this future hope, because he's going to make all things new. He's going to accomplish the, this, and we don't necessarily need an angel to come and, and a great light to shine around us to see it, but perhaps even in the times that feel really dark, and that actually kind of break our heart. Perhaps in those moments we can see that, no, he, he's going to take us from tears of sorrow to tears of joy. And those will be the final ones that we have to endure. Father, we thank you for this season. And I want to specifically pray for those who have suffered great loss this year. I thank you for them, and I thank you that they're either in the room right now or online, and, and we know many of our friends, many of our family here at Crosspoint have, have suffered loss of, of all ages and of all sizes, and, and so, Father, right now, um, we thank you um, for, for those who have been so close to us, and we thank you for the hope that we have in you. And right now, specifically, I, I pray that this would be true, that you would bless those who are mourning. I pray that you would comfort those who are going through hard times. And I thank you that even though you don't always remove us from these circumstances and you don't always just pluck us out of times of, of, of sorrow and, and hardship, but you meet us where we are. And I thank you for your presence. And so, would your peace be felt right now? Would your comfort be present among those who are suffering right now? And I thank you as they continue to, to grieve and mourn. I thank you for so many of the great memories that come back to mind even now. And, and thinking back to the lyric that Blair was singing before this message, just thinking of how Eve would have perceived that. Father, your promise is, it means that all things will be made new. It's because of you. We can have hope because of you. We have peace because of your presence. And we can have joy because of what you have done and also what you will do. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.